Hi, this is JT. Uh, this past week, my mailbox has been blowing up. I mean, just blowing up. And people have been emailing me back and forth asking me, JT, what do you think of the situation with Tony Morris and the booze? Uh, you know, use at Bethel, what do, what do you think of that? And so I, I thought I'd just put a few thoughts together. Uh, as we know, uh, as Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Witnesses can drink, so we just take that right off the table. But one of the things that I will say, which is really interesting, is that historically, and as far as I've ever known, Jehovah's Witnesses have always been very concerned about image, how it will look. And for many of us who grew up as Jehovah's Witnesses, we know that has always been, do not bring reproach on Jehovah's name. I'm really talking about the organization. Basically, you got to make the brand look good. Brand cannot be damaged. And I remember uh, when I first saw this video, I was very surprised. I'll be real honest, I was very surprised. Because the governing body, they have access to assistance. I mean, lots of assistance. And it's often considered a very high-valued position or privilege to be a governing body assistant who basically, you know, you do the running around for him and so forth. And I was trying to ask myself, why didn't he get one of his assistants to go out and pick up his liquor? And uh, it, it was amazing. Uh, when I watched this guy, I was like, I can't believe he's doing this. Because I'm thinking to myself, and, and I invite everyone who is watching this video to ask yourself, as we say, some very serious critical thinking questions. Can you imagine if a young man was up and being considered to be appointed as a ministerial servant, or you have a ministerial servant where the elders are considering appointing him as an elder, and the CO, some of the friends, or anyone came back to them with an account that we saw Brother Larry Johnson standing in the liquor store buying that amount of liquor at one time. What do you think would be the chances that there would probably be an elder on that body when they had to meet together who would say, well, I don't know, brother, now, we might want to hold up on this one for right now. He, he's a good man, but we might want to give him some time. That's going to happen anywhere around the world. Why? Because that's the way Jehovah's Witnesses operate. I remember uh, growing up in North Carolina. Uh, myself, I had two pioneer parties. We all graduated the same year. And we became basically known as you know, ministers in our county. And because of that, living in the Bible Belt and knowing how people down south view ministers and alcohol, we were very, very cautious of it. In fact, all the elders I knew and, and practically all the brothers I knew, most of the witnesses I know and pretty much everyone, they would often go to another county to buy their liquor. Why? Because they understood that the perception of how we view. And of course, Tony did the same thing that we did. He realized I can't buy my liquor right around this area, so I got to go over. And, and that's what he did. And that's just what witnesses do. And the point is, it is all about trying to keep a certain perspective in the context of the image. The image of the organization is all that matters. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't really matter. But you want to make sure that the image, the perception looks good. And that's really the reason why Tony, just like we did back in North Carolina when I was pawning, we went over to another county. That's why Tony didn't just stop at the local liquor store outside of Bethel. He was cognizant. I got to make sure nobody sees me. But of course, we know he got caught. And so uh, to see this man at this level in the organization, 
uh, doing this. I was just taken aback because I was thinking basically in the context of if this was anybody else, they would get dogged. But you know, alcohol at Bethel is not anything new. Anyone who is familiar with uh, other presidents of the organization, alcohol has been a very strong feature. Uh, I know that basically when you come in as what is referred to as a new boy in your interest school classes, that is one of the things that they stress. Because that's one of the things that you get introduced to very quickly. I, I think about the introduction I had. I, I grew up at a time when you could actually drink at 18. The law had not changed over the 21. So when you get called to Bethel at 19, everybody can drink. And for a lot of brothers, that was an issue. I remember one of the first gatherings I went to. I was invited over to a Bethelite's room. And uh, it was a Monday night after the watch tower study. I was watching the Monday night game. And, uh, you know, having beer was no big thing or having liquor was no big thing. And so one of the guys uh, asked us, what, you know, what, what, where's the beer, guys? And he said, go ahead. It's in, it's, it's in the bathroom. And so I go in the bathroom and I pull back the curtain and there is a tub of ice with a keg buried in it. And the reason why, because Bethelites used to buy it by the keg. So what ends up happening is if you, if you have a buddy at Bethel who works like in the kitchen, they have access to the ice machine. And so they would take the little cart and fill it up with ice and they push it up to the room. And so Monday nights for the football game, when I football games, these guys always had a tub full of ice and they would stack, stack the kegs in. And you, know, you have guys over and you sit there and drink, order pizza, and, and that is on. And so these are the things that actually take place right inside Bethel, the house of God. In fact, it got so bad. Anyone who's ever visited uh, Bethel down in Brooklyn, uh, one of the buildings that we would go into is called the 124 Columbia Height. It used to be one of the original buildings of the society when they first moved to New York. Uh, but if you go in, you come into the lobby and you pass the, the guard's desk or the brother who's the attendant there, and you walk past what's basically a large coat room. And if you continue on, you'll go into uh, the waiting area, which overlooks Manhattan. Spectacular view looking into lower Manhattan. But there's a coat room there. And what was happening was, especially on Friday nights, Friday afternoon, a lot of the Bethelites would go to the local liquor store, get the keg, bring the keg back, park right in front of the building. And because they didn't have time to take it up to the room, they would just drop it off in the coat room and then get in their car and go down and park the car in the garage, either park it in the parking lot and come back up to the building. Well, what was happening was we often have a lot of guests at Bethel, lots of guests. And so you would come sometimes on some Fridays, you would come in and you would look into the coat room and you see three or four kegs of beer. And because it became such an image thing, they, they, they highly discouraged the brothers from leaving their liquor out in the public like that. So the use of alcohol at Bethel has always been an issue. Uh, probably one of the most interesting times I remember. And in fact, uh, we're going to actually do a series on you know, life at Bethel. A lot of people have asked me about it, so we're gonna, I'm going to share my perspective of Bethel life and, and, and what it was. But one of the things that I found most interesting was how, when it came to what's known as the Gilead graduation, the Gilead graduation is very special for the Bethelites because it's on that occasion that they served steak to the Bethel family. And it's interesting that there's a little process that takes place, a little, a little thing that goes on right before the meal. I remember my first year at Bethel, and everybody was asking, so whose room are you going over to? Whose room are you going to? Whose room are you And I'm like, going over what? For what for? Going, going where? Like, going to somebody's room. Going to somebody's room. I said, why? Get a little something to drink. Get a little something to drink. 
if you were actually to be at Bethel on the day that they have the Gilead graduation uh, luncheon, basically all the Bethelites the night before, and this is what you'll see. Everybody's stopping at liquor stores, getting bottles of wine, getting, getting drinks. I mean, that's what everybody's basically doing. I mean, you just see them. Bethelites come in, little bag, little brown bag in the hand. And that's the way it was. And so what happens is right before lunch, everyone basically ends up going to people's rooms who they've been invited to. And you will see people and you will see liquor flowing like you have never seen in your life. And so after a period of time, Bethel is very much on time. The meals start on time. You know, if anyone's been to Bethel for the meals, you know they start right on time. But on the day of the Gilead uh, luncheon, it's a little different. It's a little different. You'll get to see people easing down. The bell will ring and people will start just dragging in. And you will see people giggling and laughing like you've never seen. I mean, I remember seeing sisters that sit at the table. They don't even say hello to you the morning. But boy, on the day of the Gilead luncheon, everybody comes down giggling, laughing, because basically everybody got a light, nice little buzz. That's, that's basically all it is. So these are the type of things that go on at Bethel many times that people outside have absolutely no idea. So, Tony, welcome to the club. Everybody know the real deal now. All right. This has been JT. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.